Cause what I've been through to get here, here, and you will never know me. sound um fucking shit let's get into this episode 14 you ain't heard of us podcast you know what the fuck it is i'm talking about my joint went out so that wasn't nearly as like epic as it was, I was supposed to say that and take a big ass hit off my joint and it just went out <coughs> oh shit that's 2020 right there man like a motherfucker last episode with bmc was dope that's a uh, that's dropping. It doesn't matter because this is going to happen later, but that should be out by the time this is out, obviously. Uh, right. And, uh, yeah, we got a couple more big ones in the books. Fucking, I don't really have any announcements, man. You have a good week? Yeah, for the most part. Yeah. Work. For the most part. Fucking, uh, what the fuck happened this week? Uh, nah. I want to say rest in peace to my homie Rocky Rod. He's a big um, part of the house scene and the electronic music scene in Austin. Uh, he was a promoter for several venues, including like uh, the Creekside Lounge and what's it, uh, the place next to it before it turned into like, before Empire got built and shit back in the day. Uh, oh, back in the gap when it was the yeah. actual fucking, uh, uh, what's it we call it? The uh, actual garage uh, and shit, yeah. Yeah, right, yeah. He he booked me for some of my uh DJ sets back in the day and he's just always super supportive. Um he 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 passed away from health complications. Uh and yeah, it's a sad loss for all of us, you know. Uh just make sure you check on your people. For sure, man. For sure, man. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. But on a lighter note, we have another good homie of mine, uh the man Omar Chow sitting with us today. Um Vinyl hip hop DJ, hip hop head, sneaker head, artist, um, graph writer, painter, just a very creative type uh, all around. Um, we go back back in the day. We used to do shows at the at the Independent, which we will get into actually in a little bit, and um, Rudamaya as well before it went away. So let's go ahead and just get him in though, because he's been waiting as always. <laughs> Yeah, we'd be a little behind. A little behind. Um, anyway, make sure you're following us everywhere at You Ain't Heard of Us. You can email us, you ain't heard of us at gmail.com. Uh, you know what it is. Thanks for listening. Oh, shit. I got to go let my dogs in and then I'll let Omar in.
stirred like motherfucking coffee. Did you just put whiskey in it? <laughs> hey, what up? What's good? Hey, what's up, Omar? What's good, y'all? Man, chilling. You like my background? <laughs> like that. I dig that. Got the professional <laughs> backdrop and everything. That's what's up. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I can't have the real shit on my wall, man. I don't think I even have any of your pieces. One of these days, man, we'll get you linked up. I need to. I, I have that hat. That's it. <laughs> not an OG, and that's like probably 12 years old or something now. Dude, I think. Uh, yeah. Like, I probably got that in like 09 or something. Yeah, for real. Man. That's what's uh, here, let me turn y'all up a little bit. Uh, Reggie, talk a little bit real quick. Let me get your level. Say something. You talking to me? Yeah, okay. Can you, t can you turn your mic up at all or make it closer to you by any chance, Omar? Yeah, there we go. That's a little better. All right, cool, cool, cool. All right, man. So thanks for fucking coming through. This is the You Ain't Heard of Us podcast. Uh, I basically gave you the rundown, right? Like, we just talk to creative homies and artist types, whatever it be, may be that they do or they're good at. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, I dig it. I'm honored to be on here. Thanks for having me. Hell yeah, man. Uh, and uh, I'm not sure if you know if you know Reggie. Reggie, Omar, Omar, Reggie. What up? I was checking out some of your Instagram stuff. So, yeah, I was trying to get acquainted or whatever. Right, right, right. See who you're talking to and shit. Uh, 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 he's somewhat of a staple in the, the Austin hip-hop scene, that's for sure, man. Um, I know that's one thing we can all, like, unite on here because we're all hip-hop heads here. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I'm old now. My my little homie just told me I was old yesterday, so <laughs> I'm, a, I'm an old head. Oh, man. I feel like getting there, too. Right, right. Let's get into it. Like, I think that the way we linked was obviously through the homie Brent Stallings bonus junk. So shouts out to him. And I don't remember when he introduced me to you in particular, but I think we were doing a show at the independent, which I don't know if you heard the news recently about the Indian shit. Yeah. It's just fucking close. Man. Yeah. It's, good. it's just. Oh, yeah. 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 I've heard that a bunch of the smaller venues in Austin have been closing and kind of the same thing in Denver up here right now, unfortunately. Yeah, I've heard that some of the smaller stuff is closing and like more of them are about to, uh, you know, things don't change. So it's unfortunate. There, I, I, there's like less than the fingers on my hand venues that I've performed at still around in Austin, for sure. They're all just disappearing, but uh, it's almost like we've been desensitized, like another one closes and it's like, oh, it's not surprising at all, even though it sucks. Um, yeah. Yeah. The whole just idea of like not living at home, but home there's not really one to go back to. <laughs> oh, um, so I'm not sure if it was the indie or not, but I know we did a, 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 a an event together where we did like hip hop, electronic music combination, and we all spun. I think that's where I first met you, right? That sounds right. Yeah, there, and then hung out at Brent's house a couple times. I think was that it? Was that it? And you had uh, like dreadlocks back then, huh? I did. I, I, was, I was worked out a little bit. <laughs> um, so, I wanted to ask, like, are you from Austin originally? 
No, not originally. I grew up in Texas. I was born in like the Dallas-Fort Worth area and okay. moved to Austin in 2005 and left Austin in the end of 2016. So I was there a little over 10 years. A little over 10 years, yeah. I mean, yeah, I must have met you just a few years after you moved there then. Because um, I know I was yeah. around 19 – I was around 09, 2010 when I first started linking with Brent. Um, so – were you already DJing or doing art before you moved to Austin? Or is that something you kind of like, did you move down to Austin for the, the scene, you know? Uh, I really moved to Austin because I was working for this art company. Uh, like, we basically went door to door and sold prints, like soliciting. I was straight up like soliciting buildings. Um, I worked for the company up in Dallas. Hmm. And their office kind of fell apart, and the Austin office was like, "Yo, you can come work for us down here." And I wanted to move to Austin anyways because the live music scene was popping off, and like, I don't know, it just seemed like a city more on my vibe, more on my frequency. Right. So came down there, and I worked for that art company for probably like a year and a half in Austin, and then I just went like full-on artist, uh, you know, self-employed, yeah, working for myself. But I was I was DJing way before that. I was DJing like I think I got my turntables in two thousand four, okay. and uh, I still got them. I still play on them like all the time. I don't ever bring them out anymore. But I was DJing like before I went like before I started like getting serious about painting. I was already DJing and like looking up to all the like badasses like you know. Craze and all the like DMC battle winners and everything. Oh, yeah. I was into that like turntable tableist shit, you know. Hell yeah! So how did that come about? Just uh, like from events or from like listening to mixes or, or checking out battles? Like how how did you get into the the vinyl battle? I I don't know. That's a good question. I guess like I don't even know where I first heard of him, but uh, yeah. DJ Shadow was like my idol back Fuck then. Yeah. Fuck yeah! Fuck yeah! Yeah, so, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> Well, introducing, like, oh, man, I used to have that on repeat, like, every day. Okay. But, um, and then I had a friend, one of my good friends up in Dallas, Fort Worth. He got some turntables, and he was spinning, like, a bunch of, like, house and drum and bass. And then we both, like, started making a little more money, and we bought, like, battle mixers and, like, really nice Technic turntables. And we started, like, scratching and getting getting into all that. And it kind of grew, like, back then, like, there were a few other homies that bought tables, and we all kind of just, like, DJed together in a smoked-out room, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, miss those days. Man, no shit, right? Um, I do remember specifically about you being a vinyl DJ, and, you know, because, you know, because I started on Pioneer CDJs. Like, that's that's where I got my start. Not to say that I didn't have a pair of Stantons that I beat the hell out of, and I always loved, like, learning how to DJ on techniques, but it wasn't my first choice. So I noticed people like you and Brent who were, like, down to fucking bring out the crate and the fucking techniques, you know? Um, and I always liked sure. that. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's how I learned, like, on vinyl, like, you know, digging through the local record shops and everything. Yeah. And then, like, at some point... Rain, Serato, Scratch Live came out, and also uh, Stanton's version. They called it Final Scratch. I remember that. And, uh, that was kind of like bunk. I don't know. I bought Final Scratch first. I don't know why. And <laughs> I, I never. Because it was cheaper. 
much. She was still pretty expensive. But then like I met Brent in Austin and he was trying to help me get it set up. We never could get it to work. And he was like, dude, just download Scratch Live. And I got that and uh I still have my like first generation audio interface, my Scratch Live audio interface. Yeah. They don't have support for that anymore. No, I no. still use it. I don't even think you don't have to bring a separate piece around anymore. I think it's just like in your fucking computer now, right? Yeah, for sure. It's like installed in the mixers or your controller or whatever these days. I mean, I use a fucking Pioneer controller now, so I fucking know, man. I use Rekordbox. (laughs) Oh, that's what's up. That's what's up. I haven't used any of the other ones, Rekordbox or Tractor, but yeah, they look... Well, pretty good. Back in like in like 2012, when my, all my CDJs and my mixer and my laptop got stolen out of my car in front of Karma Lounge, I fucking, you know, I'd spent so much time saving money just to get that set up that I was like, how the hell am I ever going to afford this again? So a few years ago, I finally just bought a controller, and because the controllers are basically Pioneer CDJs now in a fucking controller. Oh yeah, they're not like oh, yeah. toys, like you know, they're like pretty much the same thing now. Uh, yeah, amazing. <laughs> you remember Livid, the company in Austin? No. Uh, they they made like the own sixty four and the Block. They made those MIDI controllers uh, and like uh, you remember like Gabe and Mike App. Those dudes worked for Livid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. they they hooked me up with one of those MIDI controllers like way back, probably in two thousand ten or eleven, and uh, I just mapped it out to all the controls in Serato. And I DJ directly off of that. Yeah. Uh, I just bring that in my mixer and my computer out so I don't have to lug the turntables around. Yeah. And that thing's like indestructible, so I'm not like worried about it getting fucked up in the close. Yeah, that's fucking that's cool as fuck that that the the hardware, but also the fact that you just like made it work. You're a smart motherfucker, ain't you? <laughs> <laughs> I just trying to do something different, you know. I was like, well, no one's performing like this, so just trying to do something different, right. you know. Ended up working out well, and I still use it. Hey, Reggie, what did you use to DJ when you were doing your sets at the Independent? Did you just do it off your <laughs> iTunes or what? <laughs> uh, I was uh, fucking DJ app. Uh, oh, it's okay. called DJ, like DJ. I think it's DJ Two now, but it was just the first DJ. You could sync it with your computer and your phone, so I could do this shit. Like I could walk around and just like yeah, I would literally just be walking around DJing. It was weird. And I was trash so. Re- Re- Reggie's a fucking amazing producer who just happened to have a night where he played music. I'm not trying to put you on the blast or anything. I was just curious. Nah, that, that was at the ND, too. It was. It was, man. It was. Uh, so the Independent used to be like an underground kind of haven back in the day, day, like before we ever were doing shows there. And it had actually shut down. Um, Mike Henry, the guy who owned it when I was doing shows and got Brent a slot there and shit, um, when I think we did – what is that? I want to try, keep trying to remember the name of that event. I remember the flyer had a picture of Marge Simpson on it. Um, <laughs> the one me Brent did with you and I on it. But anyway, so Mike Henry owned it and kind of brought it back up. And I think he sold it because it was it, that's when it changed to the North Door. It was the right. AP, and then it was the oh, North yeah. Door. And right. I think the North Door is what closed now. Uh, yeah, yeah. North Door is what it's kind of already it's amazing they were able to keep a place on east six alive for so long before east six was like hip you know now it's like cool to walk across the highway we didn't walk across the highway very often when i was like 
younger <laughs> coming uh, up. There's a there's a there's a Target and a Whole Foods like right there right now. Wow. wow. Yeah, it's really? like a, yeah, a big ass apartment like fucking complex thing with a fucking Target and a Whole Foods. Holy it's great. Like the next time you drive through downtown Austin, you're gonna like you'll trip because it's like it looks it looks way different. It all it I is. At the end of the month, you said? I, I might be, yeah. I'm trying to come back down there and go visit some family and do yeah. some work and stuff. So I need to go see it. The last time I was there, I did like barely even recognize certain it's parts of the city. Same, same. And like, uh, you know, I was actually supposed to fly out there to go see family too, but canceled my flight. And I still just have to rebook it. I just haven't decided when I want to actually fucking go down. Um, I'd rather kind of drive, honestly, at this point than deal with the airport. But eventually, I'm going to have to see family. Like, I hate to think I'll spend another holidays, like, away from seeing family again. But, yeah, yeah. shit times is crazy. From listening to records, I just knew what to do. I mainly taught myself. And, you know, I did pretty well. I said there were a few mistakes, but uh, that I made that uh, I have just recently cleared up. You know. I'd like to just continue to be able to express myself as best as I can in history. And I feel like I have a lot of work to do still. You know, I'm a student of the drums. And I'm also a teacher of the drums, too. You know? <laughs> DJ, but you were always doing art too. Like, I, like we talked about, you did a custom hat for me and a few other people back in the day. I've seen you progress to like painting everything from crazy, like portraits of fucking crystals to like designing custom Air Maxes these days. But what I want to address is this kind of like fascination with style and fashion and art in the festival sound system kind of heady scene and how it like correlates with graph and fashion in the hip-hop scene because you were a dj and hip-hop obviously aligned with hip-hop culture but then also you've got your hand in this crazy market for art in the festival scene i mean it's it, it is ridiculous how much money gets spent on art and fashion these days when yeah. so how did you progress from what kind of being dj and then into the art world as well just talk about it a little bit i mean you know i mean really it's like i just follow what i'm currently into and like what what what's piquing my interest at, yeah. at that time that month that year whatever um so yeah it's grown and evolved a lot over the years and i'm kind of like all over the place you know I'm, I'm like a lot of artists especially these days it's about like branding yourself you know uh -huh. and uh i like i think for, for some people like that works that works really well if you want to be like a successful career artist yeah you gotta like brand yourself so everyone knows you as this one thing you know uh -huh. and you run with it I, i'm not like so much into that because i always have different ideas and they're completely unrelated sometimes so 
by branding yourself like that, sometimes you paint yourself into a corner a little bit when people like expect certain things from you. But um, I, I really like to like not get tied down to one style, one aesthetic, one medium, whatever. I like to just like be able to do what I want to do. And that's what art has been for me. Like I love art. I love everything about art. It's a fucking crazy career path to choose. But um, yeah. it provides you with a lot of freedom. You know, I've been able to do what I want and like live a life of leisure ever since I like committed to it, basically. And yeah. that's what I'm about. That's like even even art, like that being a career. I don't want to paint all the time. I don't want to design stuff all the time. Sometimes I just want to like go on a hike or to the park with some homies or whatever. I just want to go do something else. Right. And I want to take a vacation, you know. And being an artist. Uh, and working hard has provided me with the opportunity to like just live a life of freedom like that, you know. Right, man. I have I have a homie doing the doing the bus life right now, and I watch him and his family travel, and I I wonder like, you know, like one thing goes wrong on the bus, like how do you afford to stop in a city and fix it? Um, they're artists as well, and uh, I think the beauty of that lifestyle is that like you could go months without work if you're not trying, but then all the same, you find that one job that pays you a couple stacks, boom and done. And it, it can keep you going for a while too. So it could be a real up and down fluctuation of income. Oh, big time. That's been ever since I've like gone like full-time artist. Like it's such a roller coaster. Uh, I don't know. It's like, Sometimes it amazes me. It's like I, I know it in, in in my mind and in my heart. It's like I just got to keep pushing because I'll get in those low points and you start worrying about shit. Yeah. Like if you just keep going, like it never fails. Like art always has been there for me and like had my back and I've always been able to pay my bills and stay on top of my shit if, as long as I'm like applying myself and not being lazy and shit, you know? Right. I mean, it's an extremely fucking honest occupation too, because people aren't going to give you money for your art unless they truly value what they're paying for, you know? Yeah. I mean, and that's why I was kind of addressing earlier. It's like how big it's become in the scene. Like on one hand, I feel like it's just a bunch of people sharing currency back and forth, but then you do have people who are like really into like, you know, I find a couple homies who I like and that's whose art I buy. I don't, I'm not really good about going out and buy like, being a connoisseur i just like have homies who make stuff that i like and at the same time it's a homie so that's where i want my money to go but right. uh yeah you gotta make it somewhat exclusive otherwise people lose interest well but, so, um, so are people seeing the life of an artist and jumping on it like they kind of did djing and that's why there's so many of them now or is it literally the market has grown you know or maybe it's all in the same uh, yeah, so many people jumping on it yeah absolutely it's, i see the same thing that we all saw, you know, DJing. Yeah, I see the same shit in the art scene, you know? Yeah. Just the way that, like, the whole lifestyle and everything gets glorified, then everybody and their mom wants to jump on the bandwagon, and shit gets, like, the, the market gets saturated, you know? And water shit and down. People start doing things for cheaper amounts when, like, the value of what they're doing is worth more. You know, because they just want a little exposure or something. Right. Right. That's, I think that's just part of it, though. I bet that's, like, that's the nature of probably any industry, any new industry, any new business. Yeah. That's the fucking worst part about 
every scene, dude, is saturation. I mean, yeah, saturation. And art, the this 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 art scene is a lot like hip hop in the fact that you're all borrowing from someone. I mean, I know you you said that you always do what you're into, and that's that's noble as fuck. It doesn't mean that you're ripping someone off because you have similarities. I mean, if you're into this art and you start making art, it's only natural that you're borrowing from people just like in anything else. Yeah, oh, yeah. But some people are good yeah. at it and some people suck. <laughs> it's an interesting lifestyle. So are you keeping music involved with, with what you're doing these days? Um, I know you said you have your hand in lots of places. What's primarily driving you uh, I haven't been doing that much with music lately, just no. only for like my own enjoyment, you know, like every now and again, I'll open up live and try to make a beat or, you know, like listening to some old, old jazz record and I want to take a sample and try to put some drums and stuff to it. Oh, yeah. uh, but that's like maybe like a few times a year these days. Uh, I'm more definitely more focused on like visual art these days. Uh, so just recently like this month i started uh working with this uh brand new clothing company out of la they're called rival nine and their their whole mission is basically to bring together street art and graffiti culture with professional sports culture um, okay so is it r-i-v-a-l and then the number nine yeah exactly and it's a brand new company. Like they're just now getting their website built. Uh, they've, they've got a long road ahead of them, but I'm stoked to like be there from the beginning and like providing some of the designs. So I should be like submitting like one to three designs a month for them for like t-shirts and hoodie designs, and oh, then sick. it's gonna grow from there. Um, so been focused on that lately, and then also like the sneakers. I'm like really into the sneakers lately, so been trying to get more momentum behind that work yeah I've that's still got just like and ads and stuff on the back burner uh just quietly working on stuff you know yeah yeah man um hold on the rival nine thing you said it's combining uh graffiti and, and street culture with uh sports Sport. sports professional sports so how is that you know, like, um like there's a lot of people that are a little more fashion forward these days, but when it comes to professional sports wear, uh, like clothing companies, a lot of it's just like the same graphic design type stuff since yeah. the eighties. I don't know. There's just not very much fashion forward sportswear out there. It's true. And so there is a lot of, there is a lot of, uh, fashion involved in like the NBA, especially, but the, the players who do have companies, they're yeah they're not really doing anything groundbreaking with it it's and for the most part yeah. it'll just be like some charitable stuff and it's just plain you know like a clothing line but they're not actually putting an artistic hand into it they're probably just like putting their name on it <laughs> yeah definitely and you know with the internet and all the social media platforms these days like everyone's exposed to like more fashion and like modern art type stuff yeah so they right. want to see that there's a void for that in sportswear. So, so did, we're trying did to like, they find you said out of LA, right? Yeah. Did they find you? To work yeah, with? we have a mutual friend who I've done some projects with here in Denver. 
and uh, she linked me up with uh, this company. Cool. So, um, yeah, we'll talk about the sneakers here in a second. So, and I know you, you said you put canvases and hats on the back burner. You're kind of trying to do more progressive uh, things. What drove you to move to make the, the old look migration out of Austin into, into Denver? Was it part of art or just wanting to get to the mountains and, or all, all of the above? It was a, it was a few different things. It was all of that. Like I, I was ready for a new city. I've been in Austin like 11 years and wanted to move. And, uh, I had, I was probably mailing like 80% of my art to Colorado. (laughs) Just saving money on the shipping right away. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I was like, well, I mean, and, and not just that, but like the art scene up here is definitely thriving. There's, visual artists popping up, popping up like everywhere. There's like murals going up all over the city. As a matter of fact, like right now, they're having the big uh, Crush Art Festival. It's like an international graffiti and street art festival they do every year. And right now they've got Elle Mack uh, doing a piece, just like 10 minutes from my house, like right down the road. And a bunch of others. I know they were just having a gym festival there too. The gym festival wasn't that just happening, or is happening right now as well? That's also happening right now. It's like yeah. the rest of this week and next weekend. Yeah, you're not alone. I'm kind of surprised that huh. they're doing that during COVID. Like, there's going to be a lot of people in close quarters. In yeah, days. no shit. I mean, with the art festivals, it wouldn't be hard to maintain people at the same time being able to view art. But like when you're like digging through rocks together. <laughs> Everyone's like touching everything, and it's like right. inside. And the art things like outside in the street, yeah. the alleys. The fucking smelling the tanzanite and passing it on and shit. <laughs> so, yeah, man, Denver's a. I've only been to Denver a couple times, but you're not alone. I mean, I've got several artist homies who've moved up there recently and over the years. You said you moved there in 2016. Yeah, in the 2016. That was just like right around the same time I was moving over here. Around the same time. Seems like a lot of people moved around the same time. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely like a wave of people that left Austin right around the same time. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy like seeing that city change so fast. And it's kind of the same thing here in Denver, too. Like ever since I've been here, I've seen a lot of like rapid progression. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I think I came to the decision that, like, I want to live in a city that's experiencing that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we were in that phase of – we were there in Austin at, like, its most, like, rapid growth period, and we were contributing to it. We yeah. were, like, you know, molding that scene. Almost you know. unknowingly. Like, like, yeah, no shit. You know Definitely, like, unknowingly. And, I mean – yeah, that's kind of the best part about it. It's like you look back on it and be like, damn, look what we did. We didn't even know what we were doing, but I know. Yeah, man, but uh, I hear you on, like, I'm, I'm trying to, like, kind of thinking, like, wouldn't it be dope to find another town that's going to be big soon and just, like, stake some roots in it? Um, it's, you know, how do you yeah. get the jump on that? I was born in Austin. I didn't ask for that shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But I've been, I have no idea. So, uh, yeah. How's the hip hop scene in Denver, man? They got they got a, a before pre COVID. Was there like 
music happening or what? Or is it mainly like reggae and jam bands? <laughs> heavy on the jam band stuff, for sure. Uh, heavy thick on the jam band. Um, I mean, I was going out to see a lot of music, but not that much hip hop. Like, I don't think the hip hop scene here is that strong, really. And if it is, like, I haven't discovered it. Uh, you got to start a, a residency. I, I mean, I, yeah, I guess so. I need to meet the right people so I can get in some places. Yeah, pull a, pull a Brent Stallings on them. <laughs> <laughs> y'all, y'all need a DJ in here? <laughs> yeah. Um, but a lot, of, a lot of electronic, I would assume, too. Um, yeah, the, the, it, what I see the most of here is jam band scene and bass music. Bass music, yeah. Right on, right on. Yeah. I've, I've been, like, lately, though, like, I've been listening to more, uh, I don't know, like, classical, if you will, or, I don't know, I don't even know what to call it, more mature shit, like, like, a lot of, like, real jazzy shit, um, not just, like, producer stuff, like, fucking musicians that are actually, like, trained in musical theory, music theory, oh, yeah. and all that, you know, like, one of the last shows I went and saw before COVID was uh, Robert Glasper. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Red, Red, we talk about uh we talk about Robert Glasper on here a lot. Oh, yeah. Really? No. Yeah. yeah, we love I Robert. Fucking love what he's doing right now. I love what he's doing right now. Yeah. And I went and saw Herbie Hancock. There's a there's a new venue in You Denver. saw her you saw actual Herbie Hancock play live? Waterman Herbie Water, Watermelon Man Herbie? <laughs> that was the best in a long time, man. That's dope. Well, my man, that's, my roots are in jazz like <clears throat> In high school, I was playing in an acid jazz band. Like, we jammed, you know, a lot of Medesky, Martin, and Wood, Jacob Fred, Jazz Odyssey. Um, we were really in, into, like, alternative experimental music, but especially, like, old school, like, you know, Miles Davis Bitches Brew is what I smoked weed to in my senior year of high school, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, right. And it wasn't until, like, a few years later when I fucking – touched a computer and was like damn i could take all these instruments i've been playing and do it on a keyboard and like we talked about earlier unknowingly contributed to the demise of what i actually wanted to do (laughs) but um you know uh brent put me on a lot of dope like uh, trip-hop and shit when we were hanging out and i a lot of my like jazz and hip-hop combines in trip-hop like with people like mark farina mushroom jazz like and shit like that I still bump mushroom jazz like Fuck all yeah. the time, dude. <laughs> Man, yeah, there's a lot of uh seems like dope ass like kind of instrumental stuff coming back around uh the 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 popular wave too, um, with people like Tom Meesh and shit and shit. Like just instrumental, like cool kind I don't know what I call it like elevator trip hop is what it sounds like to me. But um, yeah. Using experimental jazz elements with like behind popular singers or front people right yeah for sure i feel like a lot of it has to do with like this resurgence of sample based hip-hop like all these like young cats that are just now discovering jay dilla and pete rock and right it's in there and they're calling it lo-fi hip-hop yeah <laughs> oh, hip-hop. you know Hello. it's like what are you talking about it's just been around it's not anything new but they call it lo-fi jazzy hip-hop now. I mean, it's cool. I'm with it. It's just funny when people, like, rebrand things. You know? Yeah, try to rebrand it. Yeah, it's fucking hilarious. What's crazy is we're at a time in hip-hop where it's been long enough that you could just pull fast ones on people. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
motherfuckers be bringing up shit that came out before the internet and like motherfuckers yeah. not gonna figure it out. Like the slowed and reverb shit. Like we weren't like that's screw. What are you? <laughs> oh my god. What are you talking about? <laughs> I swear these people who listen to Sparkmaster tape don't even know about screw music. Like some of the younger kids listening to like Spark and and even just like mainstream trap rappers who slow their voices down. Like, oh, that sounds really dope like that. Oh, it's I wonder why no one's ever thought about that. <laughs> they probably got a fucking cup with some Robitussin and Sprite in their hand while they're saying it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they do it with dubstep too, Omar, uh, the deep dub. OG dubstep's not dubstep anymore. It's deep dub. You got to go to the deep dub for him to get the the real dubstep because the real dubstep section is full of bro step, like same yeah. shit. <laughs> You're like swapped it. They're like the dub play. <laughs> This is that time of the podcast where I get high and forget what we're talking about. So let's talk about the the, the shoes, man. Like um, back in the day, it got cool for a second to have trippy shit painted on fitted hats, and it was all the rage. And you did several of them. So did Tyler and a lot of the homies. Um, and so, what made you think to customize a pair of fucking uh, of of Jays? Uh, I mean, was it a request or was it just something you did? It was actually like what really sparked it was a friend of mine who lives up here in Denver and he told me like, oh, I'm going to start customizing shoes. Like, nice. he, he's not a painter. He's a musician. Uh, he plays guitar and stuff. And he was like, oh, I'm really into sneakers. And he like started collecting J's and was like, why don't you do this, man? Why don't you do this? And I was like, you know what? I'm going to. Like, it was, it was something I thought about for years and years. I'd seen other people doing it since, I don't know, like mid 2000s customizing yeah. shoes yeah and i did i did a couple pair back in like 08 or something but i, I wasn't using the right paint and i didn't right. i didn't know what i was doing like there's a lot that goes into customizing shoes if you want to make them last yeah you don't want the paint to clip off and all that the yeah. whole process and i've been like learning all that the past like year or two and uh just like really getting into that like buying all the paints like it's like a specific type of paint and you have to like get these like specific additives 
to paint on different fabrics or leather or plastic or whatever is on the shoe. Um, so I've, yeah, I've just been learning all that. It's just been like a new avenue, something new to explore. And like, I don't know, I love sneakers too. I'm, my, my shit is Air Max 1s and Air Max 90s. Okay. Um, so I, I paint on a lot of Air Max 90s. Yeah. Um, I've got some Jordan 1s right now that I need to finish. <laughs> Sick. Um, yeah, so uh, not to say like I hadn't seen customized uh, shoes done before. I, I've, I, I remember following someone who did vans, custom van work back in the day, and it was cool. Like, but yours stand out to me because the way I, are you using airbrush on, on some of that? An airbrush technique? Yeah, yeah, I use airbrush and I use brush too. Yeah. Depends on like what. It kind of, it almost looks like the style of some of those crazy like retro collabs, um, you know, like the galaxy and shit. Like, not to say your design, but the way you did it, it looks like it came out of a fucking shoe factory, you know, like, and it was painted oh, exactly professional. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's what I want it to look like it was made in a factory. Uh, yeah. I don't, I mean, it's cool when it's like, oh, that's hand painted. That's clearly an art piece, but it's different when it looks like a fucking shoe that someone bought out of a store and then they tell you, oh, my homie did these. You can't get these. It's the only pair. <laughs> yeah, the only pair that exists in the universe. Yeah. Out of one. Fuck yeah. Um, so go ahead and drop your pages too. Where can people go find uh, your, your artwork and how can they inquire about uh, possible customizations and shit like that? Uh, mostly I just like, just hit my, my direct message on Instagram or Facebook, either one on Instagram, I'm at Omar underscore Chow and on Facebook, I think it's just Omar Chow art, Omar Chow art. Uh, yeah. At Omar Chow art. Or whatever. Oh yeah. That's what's up. Let me check. Yeah. I need to get a website built. I, I like started working on one a year or two ago and then it got pushed to the back burner and I haven't finished it ever. So hopefully like before the end of this year, I'll, I'll go live with the website. You know, like it seems like people can develop entire platforms and businesses just by using like an Instagram page or something like that. And I find that like, if you build the following, they're going to get at you if they can, if they want to, um, what I think about the website would be like a user-friendly interface for like selling stuff, you know, or something like that. Cause what yeah. is a pain in the ass is if you want to buy something, you don't want to have to go fucking talk to someone. You want to be able to just click a button and get it done. Um, oh, definitely. So I, 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 you know, just to bring up the whole, the idea of like, if you're an independent artist, like what are you using your website for? I think that like user friendly interface would be the first and foremost reason to do that. So maybe like you might check out like Patreon or something like that too, where it sets you up to be able to just like, Hey, here's what I do. If you want to give me some money, here's how you do it. Or right. just look at my shit. But, um, I don't know. It's just yeah. Something to about. yeah, no, you're right. It's, I should probably be using like all those platforms. I, I, I use, or I was using a uh, big cartel.com for a while. And I, I think I sold like two prints off of there. Yeah, like right. Five years. So yeah. is that one of the places? Big Cartel is the thing where you just like have your design and and they print it and send it to the person, but give you like a cut of the money. Is that how that works, or do you actually stock it? Yeah, I, I'm stock. I'm only uploading images of things I have like ready right. to ship out. But I, I had things. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's not like the drop shipping thing. I, they yeah. might do that now. I don't know. Um, I might, that that but, drop that drop shipping thing and fast fashion shit is like I think it's just ruining independent sales for people. But it's also become like if you don't have, like I said, that user friendly interface, you're almost going to get passed up by other people. It sucks that that's the way it is because it's so much more profitable just to buy a box of shit and sell it hand to hand. Yeah, you got to make it easily accessible to everybody. And when there's like a person in between the sale and yeah. the, the buyer or whatever, like it just, yeah, it, it just remove that layer. And people are just like, oh, three clicks and now I've got something on the way, you know. Right. That's definitely the way to go. I need to need to get a lot of like going. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, and definitely like I'll, I'll support when I can. Fucking, I, um, I've always been down with your art. I just, I can never like for me, and I'll take this out. This is just for me to you, but like personally, what what some of my homies are worth, like I'll never be able to afford. <laughs> right. Dude, I, I have so many friends that come to my house and they're like, damn, I thought your collection would be like, way doper it's like dude I, I have like such expensive taste i can't even afford the artists right. i want to support and buy so <laughs> i know i know i know all about it man yeah uh, and i i've never in, insult someone well i learned i learned you know over the years to like respect people's price points too and like if you really appreciate art you don't fucking haggle um and that part i will leave in <laughs> Um, totally. I don't. I don't mind anyone trying to haggle with me because I. I feel like I do that a lot. Like I try to haggle with people like anywhere I can. Yeah. Right. Like, I don't. I don't take it as disrespect. Like I feel like that's also like kind of an American thing to just accept what people say and buy it at that price. Yeah. In other countries, haggling is like a part of the culture. And that's true. I kind of accept that. I, I like. I respect people that try to haggle. With shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um. It's funny, like, uh, I actually have a piece on commission right now that I paid for over a year ago. It's over $1,000. I won't say who. And because I wanted something original that I was only going to have. If I wanted to take that stack and go purchase, like, a couple pieces that had already been done when they needed some money, I could have done that. But because I chose to say I want – I didn't tell them what to paint. I just said I want something painted for me. You know what I'm saying? Um, so the, the creativity was allowed. It was just like, paint me something fresh. But because I did that, I've been waiting for over a year. <laughs> um, when I could have just waited for homie to be like, hey, I need some money. Here's what I have for sale. And probably haggled him on some fucking already painted shit. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I've definitely had to make people wait on custom pieces Yeah. for two, three years before on some of them, which half of it was just because like i got busy with other things yeah uh i don't know i feel like that's pretty that's a pretty common thing as like an independent artist like yeah. sometimes the projects slip through the cracks and like you gotta i don't know do other things to make ends meet in the meantime i don't know what do you do with, um, just and, and i'm gonna send you a fucking blank pair of fucking air maxes or ones and a down payment and just let you fucking take your time soon i swear uh, so what do you do to keep your art out there though like are, are basically social media sharing are you out doing shows are you doing murals street art like what's up i don't do that much to promote myself i've always been bad about that and i don't i don't like 
a lot of the self-promotion thing. I, yeah, I know you're not really a fan of live painting either, right? No, no. Like, I've done it. I've done it a lot in yeah. the past. Um, but I, I just, at one point, I realized I don't get my best work done when yeah. I'm painting with a lot of people that are distracting me. And, I mean, a lot of yeah. times when I'm at a show, it's a show that I like, too. And I want to dance and hang out and drink with everyone and shit. So, <laughs> that's just not my environment. I'm a studio right. painter. Or, or a fucking street painter if I'm painting walls or whatever. But yeah, um, yeah, the live thing is it's super beneficial for a lot of people, especially when you're like just getting started. Like getting yeah. that exposure is like huge. You know, in just like a few months, you can get like hundreds of followers, like people following you, thousands maybe if you're really good. Um, but yeah, I uh, I'm mostly a studio painter. Well, that's a, it sounds like you have a work ethic about it then. Like, you treat it like work, kind of. I, I definitely do. Uh, yeah. Have you done any – have you had any mural commissions, shit like that, out in Denver? Uh, I have, like, only a few. I've done a few, like, food trucks. And cool. I had a wall on the side of the gallery, this gallery that uh, hosted my first solo exhibition up here. Yeah. But – they do that crush art event every year. So all the murals and all the walls get painted over basically every year. Uh, I see. Um, How come so that was not right anymore, but um, hopefully I get some other ones. I had something else. I had a few murals lined up for this year. And when COVID hit, like everybody canceled, money yeah. got tight, you know, they didn't, they didn't want to fly people out for stuff. Yeah. So, Hopefully, I got some more murals coming up soon. But man, like, we just had man, a, sometimes dude, I just pack a bag and go like look through a wall somewhere, and I'll I'll just go like find a wall and paint something. Hell yeah! At my yeah, that's cool. Yeah, we just had a street art festival here in Eureka, and I fa- I found that it like for like a month there was just people everywhere. Like all the electric boxes got painted and there's some new murals here and there. A couple businesses let their sidewalks get done and their walls get done. And I found that in the pandemic, it really was dope to be able to like drive to (laughs) what's up kitty cat Uh, to to drive to and from work and start seeing new art pop up was like, you know, kind of a refreshing wave to just see the city, like get more, more art and more beauty added to it. Um, so I'm glad they kept that going. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, I'm wondering what's going on in Austin right now with um, Spray TX. They were kind of like, I don't know, the hub for a lot of the street artists and graffiti writers. And uh, they're, I think they're like, they're, they don't have their retail location or anything anymore. I don't know how active they are in the scene. So someone needs to start like a graffiti slash street art festival in Austin and like have all these international artists coming out there. I don't know. Castle Hill, is Castle Hill gone? Yeah, dude. Yeah, Yeah. Castle Hill's gone, man. I fucking hate that. That's where I learned how to skate street. Yeah, they said they were going to do it for years and years. I was like, I, yep. I knew it was coming eventually. So, I got yeah. fucked with by the I got fucked with by the law there one time, and I stopped going after that. I was like, no, not worth it. I'm too old for a weed charge. This is fucking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I used to go over there and smoke all the time too. Yeah, 
Yeah, it was a good blunt Dude, spot. Go hit, go fucking check out the street artists and watch the city, yeah. smoke a blunt. And I know. Manuals. <laughs> Dude, I, I had the same thing happen, man. I was there at sunset smoking a blunt with some homies and some fucking cops walked up from behind yeah. us. It's because those people in the house behind will call, if they see anyone sitting yeah. there on the ledge smoking weed, they'll call the cops on you. Yeah. Uh, we Luckily, we like, we're able to like put it out and fucking hide it or whatever. But I, I'm glad I don't have to worry about that shit anymore, man. No shit, man. Fucking shouts out to fucking living in a state where you don't got to worry about that shit. You know what? For real. Fuck both of you guys. I'm still in Texas. Uh, yeah, you know, I don't think the police are going to give you any trouble for smoking weed right now in Austin, but goddamn oh, shit God. needs to change. Yeah, I'm not yeah. going up there, so we're good. Oh, shit. Well, fucking hey, man. It's definitely in Austin, too, but it is like the rest of the, the state of Texas. Yeah, they said they weren't going to arrest people for weed anymore, but I haven't, uh, in the city of Austin, but I haven't tested their theories yet, so. Yeah, I, I've heard people have been arrested for fucking weed since they said that in Austin, so. Oh, yeah. Uh, them say, hey, naughty dreadlocks, uh, where you come from? You must have two stick of sensi under your tongue. Me say, no, officer, Lord, you must be mad. He only smokes cigarettes and strictly shacks. Oh, whoa, see, whoa, see, well. Hey, under me sensi, me under me sensi, under me sensi, me under me Uh, so man, Omar underscore Chow Instagram. Fucking go check out the art. Go check out the shoes. Go check out all that. Um, and uh, yeah, man, thanks for fucking like chatting with us about about the years and how you've kept kept going and pivoted and maintained the lifestyle. Like it, we, this is what we like to hear because not only is it cool to talk to the homies, but hopefully people listening to this will hear some real experience and real struggle that people actually fucking deal with. Um, like the mother podcast that just have the glorified stories and stuff like that. This is where we talk about that real shit. <laughs> oh, shit. That's what's up, man. I appreciate you having me on, dude. Like, uh, yeah. Fuck yeah. It's good time. Um, this is my first podcast, but like, I don't know. This is dope. I like being able to do this type of stuff. Well, great for the COVID too. Hell yeah. And we'll definitely, uh, if you like doing it, man, we'll come back. Like, we'll have you just sit in on a fucking conversation sometime because, you know, more voices, more opinions uh, stirs up better conversation, in my opinion. Right. Totally. Uh, you know, sometimes you can have, like, multiple guests, guests that, uh, you know, can, like... Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so before we all take off, let's do the no sleep segment, man. I don't know about y'all, but there's been a bunch of music came out this last week. Um, there's a couple people I want to highlight. Uh, one legend that got slept on for years, um, who I found out about from the Jet Life crew back in the day, has just been putting out mad work. I don't know if you've noticed, but Currency is dropping an album like almost every month, it seems like. He's, he's been doing that for years. Like, it's, it's ridiculous. Currency's one of the most prolific like artists ever. Like He's been doing that for years, literally. 
just putting yeah. shit out on a fucking super consistent basis. You know, I I guess maybe I was sleeping, and I'll admittedly, I found out about Currency back in the day with the Jet Life crew, and I was jamming their shit, but um, I wasn't ever really that on it until I heard that Freddie Gibbs and Alchemist album, and that's what brought me back around to attention with Currency, and then he dropped that tape with DJ Fresh, and obviously I peep anything DJ Fresh is on. DJ Fresh, yeah. Um, yeah Fresh. And then just boom, boom, consistently after that, he dropped that Fendi P tape. He dropped that um, – oh, there's another one, Fuse, I think. And then recently the release of Harry Fraud. Right, yeah, and yeah. I saw that uh, Apple Music, the Harry Fraud joint. Yeah. So that's climbed up into like the top 10 list of albums for the year, which is not over yet. And that list is kind of surprisingly deep with hip hop. Um, but if people are considering it one of the best. It's been a good hip hop year, despite, uh, you know, the fact that, you know, it is what it is. But yeah, there's been a lot of good hip hop, a lot of good music in general this year. There has been a lot of legends coming back around. Um, oh, yeah. What about you? you know, what you been jamming, man? Lately, first of all, like the past probably three years, I just discovered Fela Kuti, and I've been oh man, getting the people fucking arrangements. Like I, that's like I listen to Fela every single day. You, I was every gonna say you got a couple generations of music to dig through there. <laughs> oh, so I remember much, so much music. Fela fifty. Yeah, and I think there was going to be, I think it was, it was Sean or Femi, Sean Kuti, I think, was going to be performing at this festival I was trying to go to this year, but everything got canceled. So, like, I really would love to see some of that lineage of music, but uh, oh, yeah. hopefully hopefully next year or something, the things I can back up. Yeah. Uh, besides that, though, uh, I wanted to shout out one of my homies in Austin. You might know him. Uh, he moved there kind of like right before we left. Uh, DJ Mellow J. Jackson. Huh, that sounds familiar, but I'm not sure. He, I was just, I was, yeah, DJ Mellow J. I follow him on Facebook. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah, like yeah. we might be friends on social media. Probably. I mean, I'm sure you have a ton of mutual mutual friends, if anything. But he also makes jewelry and stuff, but his, it's his beats. His beats are dope. Okay, like, he, fuck, he's fuck yeah, thanks for the plug, then. Yeah, uh, I think he's got a bunch of stuff, like, for free on his band camp. On band camp? But, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I was re- I was just like going back through some of his beats just the other day, and I was like, "Damn, I'm gonna shout this dude out. Like, he he really did good work, and he's he's definitely slept on." Okay, so what's his story? Uh, he moved to Austin from where? He's from Wisconsin or maybe Minnesota. Okay, Midwest. Somewhere up north. Yeah, so, somewhere north somewhere north. cold in the winter. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Uh, I, think, I think you. Have- out in Oregon too, actually. Uh, but he—I don't know—he's he, into the like Dilla style, like sample-based shit. Um, Word. So, so hip hop shit. That's what's up. Uh, maybe we should have him on the podcast sometime. I'm sure he'd be stoked. He'd be thrilled. Well, shouts to Mellow J. 
that Femi Cootie, that man, uh, yeah, I got into a lot of that music through the Flamingo Cantina scene, just any kind of fucking like Afrobeat up tempo, fucking <coughs> shit, man. Lots of fun. Good. <coughs> what about you, Reggie? You got anyone to throw out there? Obviously, currency is not someone people haven't heard of. I just had to mention it because I don't think we have. And that's like been on my playlist regularly. Well, oh, we were talking own. about the new Action Bronson earlier. <laughs> yeah, I haven't listened to the new Action Bronson yet. I've been listening to Big Sean, the new, uh, the right. new Big Sean. That's right. just pretty hard. Uh, what else have I been listening to? Oh, I just found, uh, I think her name's Snow Algira. Like S. Snow Allegra. Snow Allegra. Yeah, yeah, she's a singer, right? Yeah, she's dope. Yeah, I literally just found out about her this week, and I was like, I think she popped up on my uh, Apple Music playlist. Yeah. So yeah, just really. What's going on with uh, What's going on with your shit? What are you working on right now? I what I don't know what you're talking about, sir. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Omar, thanks again, homie. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me on, dude. You stay up, man. It was good to see you. Definitely. Y'all take care. All right, man. Peace. outro right quick <laughs> so yeah that was dope that, that should be a good one we got Bavu tomorrow yeah yeah I need to that, call him for sure yeah 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 yeah. I'm just gonna call him and remind him but it's for sure uh I'm gonna like try to sleep in late man you got me working at 7 p.m bro that's whew, past my bedtime <laughs> I thought I was getting oh shit <laughs> I'm saying by 9 30 I'm out like, but thankfully, since it's 9 p.m. or 9-ish your time, that works out for me because it's, like, right at the end of my day. Right, right. You can fucking finish that shit and smoke a joint and go to fucking sleep. If it was 9 o'clock, I might have to clock out early. I'd be like, all right, do the intro with you and then bounce out. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, I got to go to sleep. I'm fucking tired. <laughs> no, but I'm excited, man. I'm excited about that one.